Happy New Year and welcome back to part two of our series. We've managed to wrangle Bud and Pookie away from their families in the reviews one more time for just a little longer. So last time in part one, we threw around our top three games of 2021. This time we're going to throw around in a round robin style uh, the three games, specifically RPG releases that we're looking forward to seeing released this year at some point before the end of the year. So, hey, Scott, you got anything you want to add? Any uh, any of your great Scott jokes? Yes. Welcome back. And thank you again to uh, both Bud and Pookie for joining us again for uh, part two. Other than that, just excited. Uh, excited to hear what everyone is looking forward to in, in uh, 2022 and having a nice little discussion about it. So like we did in the first part, we're going to round robin, like I said. So first up is Bud. What is one of the three games that you're looking forward to seeing this year? I think um, the proviso here is if it gets released this year for okay, all that's the games, fair. isn't it? Yeah, because we know how things have been delayed and then delayed and then delayed and then delayed. And, you know, some things come out years later or never at all. Um, the first thing, well, it's not in any particular order. The first thing I'm looking forward to arriving this year is something I backed on Kickstarter. I never played it when it was, when it was doing the rounds initially. And that is the first edition of Mothership. As I said, I never played it. I never played the original version. And the Kickstarter recently offered a deluxe box set with everything that had been released for so far. And so I thought I'd take the leap and, and jump in and get that. Although I'd, admittedly, kind of space horror is not my normal kind of genre. Um, it is something I would probably enjoy reading because it's got the kind of OSR aesthetic to it. And again, if if it's released this year, there'll be something I'm looking forward to seeing. I know I like Mothership. For those that have listened uh, since you know our first episode, know that I'm not a sci-fi guy. I do like horror, and you marry those two together. For me, it works really, really well. And I know you like horror, so I, I got a sneaky suspicion you're gonna you're gonna really find it enjoyable. Let's hope so. Yeah. I also feel that, uh, like so many Kickstarters, like you mentioned, that just you know keep knitting excuses after excuse. Far West. Should, yeah. we, should we name and shame them? Uh, no, that, that'll be a special episode. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but considering that a lot of the materials that they have are already completed, they're kind of like throwing it in, giving you like the whole complete package. The big thing is 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 primarily the the core rulebook, which looks like, to be fair, is also primarily complete. Uh, I know that uh, they've been doing, a, you know, this past since its inception, it's been kind of like a giant playtest for a couple of years now. Uh, the big thing you're going to be waiting for, of course, is the production of the box itself. So that aside, it, it definitely looks like something that's going to appear when it's supposed to be. And as someone who, you know, has run extensive amount of, uh, you know, scenarios uh, for, for Mothership, it is an absolute blast. But I'm also looking forward to it becoming more than it's this one and done 
kind of thing that it's got a reputation for, where it's like, hey, you want to be a bunch of space marines or space jockeys and end up blowing everything up at a convention for fun, which is great, but I'm looking forward to having a lot more substance uh, to a kind of similar to what Pookie's favorite from last year, the Desert Moon of Karth uh, provides, you know, giving a little bit more beef and a little bit more depth than just this uh, kind of easy terminal horror. Of- this essentially this this easy version of of aliens, this tongue in cheek aliens game. So yeah, agreed. I mean, I think that the problem is you quite kind of say has been this sort of like mothership is a game of one shots, and Desert Moon of Karth is just an example of how it expanded the scope of what was possible with those rules. I think the other thing with it is that you're going to get is ultimately it's a GM's book because or the game mother's book because essentially you really not had that you really only had essentially what are the it's the equivalent of the player's handbook for mothership up until this point i think the other thing uh to highlight literally just been announced today is did you see hull breach yeah yeah, yeah which i was going really well yeah. yeah yep anthology of uh content from a diverse range of, of, of authors it's up on kickstarter at the moment and again i think that's really going to do well off the back of that kickstarter you know that's going to come out not quite at the same time as Mothership, I suspect, but close enough. I mean, I know it's a hardback, but it's not cheap. Yeah, looking at the looking at the Kickstarter. And uh, the other thing to mention about say, Mothership is I think that they're redoing all the art as well. Mm. It's getting done. It's like it's a, to to mimic it, but done. I don't want to say properly, but improved upon. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll agree. Some of the the art is you know done in that kind of zine style. I mean, it, it's it's artistic. There's there's no denying that, but um, a little bit more oomph to some of the imagery that that they'll provide with with the game so i'm looking forward to seeing it i didn't back it on kickstarter i just i like it i enjoy it but it's not like a go-to game for me so i didn't want to like invest my money in it but anybody wants to run a game i'm happy to jump into it if it does what we think it might do and and allow something like desert moon of karth where it, it allows us to play more than like spiraling death one shots that even has a little bit bigger appeal for me. So I'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, Maybe I'll throw I mean, money at it later. What is surprising, surprising about Mothership if you essentially before you get to its Kickstarter is the fact that it has it built up such a popularity, you know, amongst writers and creators. So many people, you know, it was one of those games that spurred on a lot of creativity. I think the release of the new first edition, as they're calling it, well, you know, drive even more. Oh yeah, I I agree. Yep. All right, uh, Scott, mm-hmm. you're next on the hit list. One of the things that I'm looking forward to is something that I backed, uh, you know, very similar to to the Mothership set, uh, something I backed a while ago. And once again, hoping that it comes out, it, it probably will. But this is, this is going to be Goodman Games box set Dying Earth, uh, based upon the uh, Jack Vance uh, novels. Not the first take uh, of Dying Earth, uh, but... Um, Definitely a company that I feel is going to take that, um, you know, that feeling of what Dying Earth actually is. This this indulgent, decadent uh, look at um, a, a apocalyptic type Earth where science has become magic and magic has become this um, highly deadly, um, provocative, uh, complicated thing that... Uh, Far, you know, the the real Vancey and Magic situation that so many people apply to Dungeons and Dragons, essentially the only thing that they pulled is like you you memorize a spell, you cast it, and it's gone. Real Vancey and Magic as portrayed within the books and some of the other games like um, Pookie, who was it that did the first or one of the Dying Earth series? 
It was Pelgrane Press who did the Pelgrane first edition. Press, yeah. So, so Goodman Games with its Gonzo aesthetic. This is the way that they that they kind of already have this this wonderful built in almost a more accurate portrayal of what fantasy magic would be, that their treatment of this is going to be probably just as excellent, if not better, than their portrayal of Lankmar. Um, now, that's me knocking on fake wood, but uh, with the one shot that, that they, they came out with, uh, that was run by uh, my friend at the game store, we had an absolute blast with this thing. I mean, it really portrayed, you know, for those who are familiar with, with uh, the Dying Earth series and Jack Vance's you know, world, it really portrayed it. I mean, you're, you're, you're immediately on a placid ocean on a boat that's, that's, that's sailing by, um, by giant sea worms, which is boom, you're, you're dropped right in the, in a familiar world for those who have read it, but just, just really looking forward to the care and treatment that they, that they provided to the Lankmar series, that they're going to do the same thing with this. And I just, I have a feeling it's, it's going to, it's going to ex explode and be as popular. So yeah, definitely looking forward to getting that in my hands and really diving into that and giving it a lot of time, like I did with the, with the Lankmar series. So I have a question for you, Scott. Yes. Have you got that scenario? Yes, I do. Brilliant. Will you run it for us? One hundred percent. I would. I would absolutely love to. I. 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 I it's been. You heard it here. Oh God, you, you're pulling my arm, Scott. Will you run DCC? Uh, and <laughs> here's an American term for you: Does a bear shit in the woods? Of course they do, and of course I will. Uh, so yeah. Polar bears don't. <laughs> also, wow. also they Bud don't. got you on that one. Uh, yeah, yeah well, they, don't, they don't do that in the UK because basically we wiped out all our bears. Keith, Keith help. Um, nope, you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> but you uh, dug your own grave. But but, but lay in it. But but Pookie, here, here's here's the bigger question: If I run it, will Bud play it? Oh, that's a good question. What's that? Probably no. Oh, see, I, I mean, that's yeah. That, that that requires him to read that book that I gave him over a year ago. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, wow. it, this it it takes me three weeks to get through a chapter of a book without falling asleep. So. <laughs> That that book that book might as well have been the Bible in Taiwanese. That's yeah, how the, the beautiful part about that DCC core book is eighty five percent of it's the spells you can skip that yep. part. Yeah, no, no, I have to read them. Wow, from, from a review yeah. point of view, yes. Wow, uh, but but the good thing the good thing, Bud, is once you read the the DCC core rule book and you do your review, just like Fancy and Magic, you can, can immediately forget it. And don't have to worry about memorizing it again. So there you go. I can, I can do you one better. I've immediately <laughs> forgot this conversation. <laughs> wow. But but no. So yeah, all, all, all joking aside, yes, of course, I would love to run that scenario. But more importantly, that is uh, one that I'm definitely looking forward to and, and, and hoping, fingers crossed, that with every all the other issues that the world's having, uh, that this one definitely comes through uh, this year. So there you yeah, are. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking for. I'm interested to see it. I mean, one of my issues with it, I think, is how it's going to capture something that DCC doesn't do, which is the adversarial element. Yeah. Um, because you know, the, in general, uh, the characters um, in the Dying Earth are generally dislike each other. They're rivals on various levels. Whether that comes down to basically just tricking each other, or actually going, you know, or scheming, that's not necessarily something you you see in DCC. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you do, and you don't see it in DC. A lot of things that you see in Lankmar, which mm. you know is portrayed, that comes to that is portrayed through the Lankmar novels and whatnot, are reinterpreted on top of the DC rules very well that way. So hopefully, that's what I'm saying. Hopefully, the same treatment and care is applied 
to provide, you know, yes, that competitive nature with with the, you know, with with magicians and magic uh, in in the, um, you know, in the books from Jack Vance. So I think they'll I think they'll give it a good treatment. I mean, they've everything that they've taken into their care uh, in the past, they've done very good treatments of. So Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't expect anything less. Right. We'll see. They, they they know their sword and sorcery very well. So that they do. All right, Pookie, you are up, my friend. Okay. Well, um, my first choice. Um, I'm going to start somewhere again small um, and look at an, a little indie game called um, Carved in Stone, which is a role playing game set in seventh seventh century Scotland, in which the the player characters uh, are picked basically the, the tribal people uh, of, of, who occupied Scotland at the time. Um, and uh, this has been developed um, basically as a role-playing game with a historical um, expert on board. And uh, it's going to be system neutral as well, so you can easily adapt it. And it's really going to be, one of the things I'm interested in is really looking at people, uh, Pictish people. I don't know anything about them particularly, except really beyond what you kind of get in the medium media where they're, always the bad guys you know coming across hadrian's wall um attacking the roman empire etc oh man i thought you were going to give us like a little history lesson history lesson on the picks um, um yeah unfortunately not sorry oh wait wait hold, hold hold up what does bud usually say in this situation scott you're a tit it. fucking google it keith well yeah that too <laughs> <laughs> They make me out to be way more offensive than I am. I know. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I just choose my moments to cut like a blade. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, well, oh. I mean, it, I, it, you you showed it to us the other day. Uh, we, we looked at the Kickstarter. It looks like it's going to be, at, at least on the surface level, a very attractive and beautiful book. Mm. Um, um, and, you know, Keith, obviously, someone who's a, a fan of, you know, historical role-playing games on a variety of levels, not just, you know, except unless it's the Wild West, but, um, but, but, but yeah, it's now the, these are the historical picks, not, not the ones that some others may be familiar with from Robert E. Howard, which essentially they were essentially just picks and name only. Yeah. Right. These yeah. To- to- totally picks, different. You know, basically occupants of Scotland and it's sort of like, you know, um, during basically the period of the Roman occupation and after, and really, I think what this role-playing game is going to explore, obviously explore them in more depth than you would normally see. Um, it's a, <coughs> essentially, the other, um, you mean, you really only had one other uh, depiction of the picks in any detail, which would have been in the uh, Pendragon supplement. Now, the, now does that it, be on the wall? Uh, yes. Now, does that mean Doc Cowie's going to be ordering three or four of them, or is he just going to buy them all in hand and sell it back to us? Is, is that how that's supposed to work, or...? I think as it's seventh century um, Scotland, he's probably in it. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that, that was probably that was that was probably when he was a young man. Wow! <laughs> I can see our subscriber count going up and then coming right back down by one. <laughs> by one, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! No, it it actually, you know, as a game concept, because yes, I like history. It it sounds it sounds really cool. When I was I was looking at the the Kickstarter pitch link you gave me the other day, Pookie. If I understood what I was looking at, some of the buildings, like some of the the scenery, it, it's meant to be like assembled to be like three-dimensional terrain. 
yeah, some of it. I mean, I think that's separate necessary to the book. Okay. Um, I don't think it's actually part of the book. Um, that's cringeworthy. Not, not, I mean, I like the scenery, the, the, yeah. the scenic stuff, but it's the idea of like cutting up a book to fold it into terrain that, that hurts my soul. Wash your mouth out. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, it looks I, cool. Yeah. And I mean, the thing's interesting that it, it, it's, um, it actually made the news, um, um, in Scotland, certainly. Um, and people will put, it got picked up, you know, um, elsewhere because of that. Excellent. To be honest, I've not heard of it until now. Yeah. So. Yeah. I didn't hear about it till Pookie mentioned it to me the other day. So it's now on my radar. So <laughs> I, I'm going to have to look for it. No, it, it looks interesting. I mean, once, once, you know, though, obviously like with everything we're talking about, there'll be links in the details of the, of the uh, podcast, but, uh, but no, it's definitely worth checking out. And I, as mentioned, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Doc Cowie will have a few things to say about it one way or another. Uh, he, but, uh, he's probably building a, a new extension of his house to um, hold all the copies he's buying. Well, no, but <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, yeah, because he's he's got to cut out all the little little villages and towns and walls. Yeah, and, you know, he's got to build all the, all the scenery, re- rebuild. Right. What? He's building the scenery. Okay, he's building the scenery life size <laughs> in his backyard. Wow. Well then, what what? <laughs> okay. So now it comes to me, apparently. <laughs> so for mine, um, so I'll keep with the the historic theme in the the Kickstarter bit since that's kind of where we're at. Uh, I recently backed a Kickstarter uh, that ended just before the holidays. It is a gumshoe game uh, by the Sons of Singularity, and it's between the devil and the deep. Scott, go ahead and finish it. <laughs> what, what's the title scott no no c- c- continue on okay um <laughs> yes scott blue sea uh, <laughs> yes it is not it does not have the c at the end of it. it it just it just sounds like when you when you're saying the title it, it sounds like you're just having like a brain fart at the end i'm sorry yeah. no 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 offense to the to the to the authors but i mean devil in the deep blue and everyone's going to be sitting there waiting going right the game no, title is officially called Between the Devil and the Deep. So it is, uh, as I said, it's the Sons of Singularity. They're, they've got several very successful fantasy games they put out for 5th edition uh, and several Call of Cthulhu uh, supplements they've uh, published over the last couple of years. This is not mythos-based. This is historical pirates in the Caribbean in the 1690s. Super fun concept for me. I love pirates. I love swashbuckling. I love the idea of sailing around, uh, having ship-to-ship combat in a cinematic way. I love the idea of hanging out in places like uh, Havana, Port Royal, partying, you know, going raiding, doing those things, looking for, you know... Spanish gold, plundering, all of that stuff. They've come across as doing a very good treatment of the subject as far as its historiosity and its inclusion of uh, different cultures, uh, both European and um, I believe African and uh, Central and South American cultures and Caribbean islands uh, included. Uh, So I'm really looking forward to it. It was a Pretty successful Kickstarter. It's supposed to release in digital February, so next month. The POD coupon. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it. So, am I understanding it correctly that this is 
entirely uh, reality-based. There's no secondary magic. There's no, um, you know, deep, dark uh, secrets, mysteries. You, you said it's non-Cthulhu-based, of course. but Right, I mean, it's it non-Cthulhu-based. Uh, there is supposed to be some rules for, like, voodoo magic, uh, which would be historically accurate uh, for the, the region. Now, how that plays out in reality, like, in the narrative, I don't know. Um, cause okay. I haven't seen a draft copy or anything yet, but I do know that's going to be included. There's going to be, uh, one of the Kickstarter stretch goals was ship to ship, like some mass naval combat rules for doing, you know, like not huge fleets, but if you have a fleet of five or six ships, cause each player in a, in a party is assumed to have be one of the ships in a, in a small little fleet of pirate ships. So if you come into contact with, say, the British Admiralty and you want to go raiding and they're there to stop you, well, you know, now there's going to be some rules to deal with that out at sea instead of just uh, keeping it contained to like on land type engagements. Personally, I'm interested to see how it how it works with the gumshoe system versus any, you know, any other system. So I have high hopes. These guys have done some really good stuff in the past. So, you know, we'll see. Well, I mean, it sounds great. I mean, I, I myself, I enjoy, you know, the, you know, the pirating games and, and you know, and, and everything you just described. So uh, definitely looking forward to, uh, you know, uh, be, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue from Sons of Singular. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that took a minute. Oh, that was good. That was good. Itty. Oh, uh, but uh, but no, joking, joking aside, it does sound like a fantastic game. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious about if it's going to stretch into if it's going to be entirely reality based. I mean, even even with the voodoo magic thing. But I mean, is that is it going to be one of those where I've seen some where it's like it's it's based in all historical aspects, but things of like the sea monsters and the things they this, they've discussed in those times are actually real rather than just, you know, that's the answer I can't give you until I have the digital copy in my hands, hopefully next month, right. where I can say, you know, hey, yes, there are sea monsters or no, they're not sea monsters or, you know, that kind of thing. Cool. So, but if there are sea monsters, great. That's cool, too. Um, I would expect possibly to see that, but I wouldn't expect to see much more beyond that. Yeah. My problem is Gumshoe. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of it, mm-hmm. um, which is part of the reason I've never reviewed the Fall of Delta Green. Because of because of Gumshoe, however, I mean, I've not backed it on Kickstarter. It's not really one that's on my radar. But Sons of the Singularity have ran really, really good Kickstarters in the past. The, their first one, which was um, what was it called? Uh, the Sassoon Files. Yeah, the Sassoon Files was the single best run Kickstarter I've ever, I've ever backed. I don't know that the guy who runs them is a project manager or something like that, but. Every step of the way, we would inform what was going on. There was Excel spreadsheets with charts about what was done, what was being waited for, the percentage of what was done. It came out on time. And, and, that's, that, was, that, was even and after, that was even after a printing issue in China. Yeah, the books yeah. got pulped in China. Yep. And they had to get a, a, was it a US printer to, yeah. to redo them. Um, yep. And they still, and it still arrived on time. And then the second one, uh, Journal Indochain, or into China, I'm not sure how you say that. Yeah. Um, again, it was on time for most people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mine arrived a few weeks late, but given the global situation, that's fine. Right. But you weren't left 
wondering, you know, if there was an issue there, at least if there was an issue that wasn't this kind of like uh, uh, fluid, well, things kind of suck right now and we'll let you know what's happening later. You know, there was a definite, well, yeah. De- yeah, definite reason. For, it it for wasn't like it. some Kickstarters I could mention, which yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so yeah, so th- th- that's another plus. I mean, re- regardless of the material, you do know at least if you back something from them, it, it, you're going to get a uh, you know a really good idea of you know what's happening with with the progress. If there's any delays, you'll be notified right away. And yep. more than likely, and if there are, you're going to still get your investment uh, yeah. in your hands on time. Yep. So yeah, I, they, I they have also, no no qualms on that at all. They also released a setting for fifth edition, which I meant to take a look at, which was it looked like flashing blades with sorcery. Yes. And it's the vibe that I get from seeing like the cover art. Yeah, and it looked really good. And for some reason, I didn't back it. I think it was just didn't have the money at the time. But that looked really interesting because I like the idea of that, like swashbuckling, you know, in the quarters. Two books for that now. Oh, is that okay? Yeah, there's that book. Um, Oh my gosh, I am. I'm. I'm a horrible supporter of this company. I am drawing an absolute blank right now. Ah. But they and they did a second one. It was called Rational Magic. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. And then they did another one after that. It's a 5e book, but it's not like a partner book to it called the the Camlin Chronicles, which is uh, a Welsh and Brythonic-themed campaign uh, for 5th edition and their Lore 100 system. So it was a mm, okay. kind of double system book. And I believe there, I believe Rational Magic was set up the same way for both systems. Yeah, that one looked interesting. The Sassoon Files was uh, was originally for Call of Cthulhu and um, Gumshoe. Gumshoe. Yeah. Yeah. You find that a lot. You find that a lot. It's it's another system plus Gumshoe. Right, but they went uh, they went exclusively with just Call of Cthulhu because of the licensing, which which is good. I mean, it's it's a really good book. Um, it's not the be-all, end-all source book. I know we're kind of getting off on a tangent here. It's not the be-all, end-all source book for Shanghai, but it's still a good book. Yeah. Still, uh, you look at something like um, Master of Nile Arthotep for a good source book on Shanghai these days. Um, but yeah, Devil, uh, Devil in the Deep. I uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing, seeing that. Um, I quite like pirate role-playing games. Um, and over the years, there have been a few good ones. But a lot kind of tend towards the I don't know the, the, the kind of pulpy, silly uh, end of of, of, of uh, representing pirates in, in gaming, you know, um, rather than drawing necessarily upon sort of like the historic history, which is um, always really interesting. Yeah, and I kind of have the same opinion, so that's why this one really, really piqued my interest. I backed it, so I'm I'm really looking forward to, it, especially because it's supposed to deliver in February. That's my first one, Bud. What you got for your next one, man? Okay, my next one is a Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay book. Um, as some people know, Warhammer is my favorite game. I think lore-wise, it's fantastic. It's one of the it's one of the first games I ever played alongside RuneQuest. So you could say I had a good a good upbringing as far as role playing went. Um, now, barring a book on Lustria or a book on the dwarves or a book on the elves. This is the one I'm looking forward to the most, which is the Imperial Zoo. Now, Warhammer, if you look at if you look at Warhammer's past, it hasn't had many beasties. The original original first edition had the beastie built into it. There was a couple in the companion, uh, well, the Apocrypha books, Apocrypha now, 
and right. Apocrypha 2. And they tended to put the monsters, the new monsters, in the scenarios rather than collate them. Then for second edition, they released one Beast Theory book. And again, in the companion, there was a bit. Don't know anything about third edition. And fourth edition is waiting for a Beast Theory. And it, they've taken quite a novel approach to it because it's going to be about the Imperial Zoo of Altdorf and all the creatures that they've collected over the years. Uh, and the commentary in the book is from the acquisitions team in Altdorf. Ah. So it's, so they're going to be telling you all about the monsters like you're a visitor to, to the zoo, from what I can gather. And that just sounds right up my street. It increased increase the kind of the verisimilitude of it. And rather than just giving you a page of the monster and things about it, it's going to tell you about the monster itself and hopefully like what they do and how they kill people and what to be wary of and that kind of thing. Right. And that's right. That's, that's the kind of thing I love. Again, it, it's already been put back ship and it was meant to ship, I believe, at quarter four last year. And now they're looking at quarter two this year. But um, Cubicle 7 are doing a great job with fourth edition at the moment. So I've oh, got high hopes for it. God, yes, they are. And one thing as well, the art. I'm looking forward to the art. I'm a fan of the the art and the original Warhammer books. And I don't think Warhammer has ever suffered for its art. I think they've always had good artists. But the artists they've got working on it now are just great. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's my... My Warhammer pick, barring them suddenly saying, "We're going to release a book on Lustria," or "We're going to release one on the on the old, you know, the old faith" or something like that. Right. That that that's my pick for the year. Yeah. Awesome. The yeah, yeah. The um. Sorry, Keith. No, no. I was just going to say. Uh, I think it that sounds really cool. I have not ventured in to Warhammer. I am. Uh, you poor, poor child. I, I know. I know. Do you but... have a GoFundMe that I can contribute to? <laughs> Uh, well, my my PayPal is no, uh, but no. Like growing up, like Warhammer was not a thing here where where I grew up. Right, it was just not a thing. It was D and D, and it was maybe some Tunnels and Trolls and that kind of stuff. Warhammer just wasn't RuneQuest, wasn't it either? Maybe in bigger market cities. I lived in out in the country, as it were. But you know, I've I've looked at the third edition in the past. I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Uh, I, I have the core book for the fourth edition. It is it is gorgeous. It is stunningly beautiful. I really can't make heads or tails of the map in it because everything's so tiny on inside the cover. Yeah, it's a bit compressed, isn't it? Yeah, and the end papers, man. It's beautiful, but it's it's hard to like kind of like pick out all the details. But inside though, I mean the art, like you said, I mean, it's not lacking in art. I mean, it's gorgeous. Its layout is nice, the art is beautiful, overall presentation, aside from like the and paper stuff is is beautiful through and through. So, and I and I know lots of you guys that play it and enjoy the daylights out of it. So, I'm looking yeah. forward to when Scott or Bud or somebody runs a game and I get to oh, play. maybe after maybe after maybe after Impossible Landscapes we'll look at the enemy then. Yeah, it, it's, that excites me. The, the the core book is is excellent. It, it's it's a it's a it's a phone book like like a lot of others. You know, it goes well over three hundred pages if I'm not mistaken, and it does have a very small, you know, bestiary in the back like some of they do, but it's it's limited. You know, you there's there's really no details or ecology of some, of most of the things in there, just you know most of the stats and a brief description of their abilities. Uh, but uh, I've not as anywhere near as in depth my knowledge of of Warhammer. It was available, you know, like like RuneQuest was to a certain degree where I grew up. But like Keith, at, at least you know in in Southern California, the focus was primarily D and D and maybe a couple extra games. But 
even Warhammer seemed even more odd and strange because it, it, it unlike RuneQuest, even though it was like RuneQuest was a bit daunting, Warhammer was also foreign because it was like its own thing. It was it was a very British sensibility to it, a very Euro sensibility to it. There was a lot of uh, you know inside jokes going on with the writing that if you weren't you know within that that culture in Europe at the time, you wouldn't even get. Um, so it, it it seemed to be a bit distant, but you know when they came out with the starter set and was so impressed with that and started reading it and just you know then you know, a multitude of podcasts and other things came up with it. Uh, but just, you know, this more grittier setting that, you know, that I wanted to get into and just, just look at. And and I don't know what it is. I'm kind of got reversed in my old age. I'm enjoying more crunchier games as opposed to a lot of more rules-like games. And, you know, Warhammer, you know, is another one that there's, a, even with the new edition, there's a bit of crunch to it. But the the, the idea, you know, that what, what you described, Bud, this, this kind of like the bestiary where it's like it's done from the perspective of those who are, you know, minding the zoo and whatnot, this kind of, you know, gazetteer, like like a Volos guide or like a, how, how Simbaroom does theirs of like kind of like this journal aspect of like, it's not just, you know, here's a monster with stats and a bit of information. There's like, you know, lore and, you know, wrapped into it to make it like a more of like a living uh, bestiary as opposed to just like, you know, another core rule book. So, yeah, I'm, I would with you with that. I'm excited for that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds sounds a great book. Um, mm -hmm. I've been a big fan of um, Warhammer uh, since it came out because I'm English. Um, you know, so it's aren't you provided yeah, I mean, one? <laughs> aren't you uh, given yeah, one when yeah. you're born? When you when you register your your birth certificate, you give it a copy of Warhammer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's how uh, I thought it went. Well, the, yeah. the thing is, though, uh, Warhammer was the first book I bought. Yeah. First role playing book I bought. If if you're registered under a Tory government, you're given a copy of the third edition. Okay, Ooh. Wow. Oh god. Uh, I, okay, we're gonna move we're gonna move away from politics, <laughs> British politics. <laughs> oh god. I can see our subscriber count going up and then down and up and down. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on which side you fall on. But um But Pookie, did you have more to add to to that though, aside from the uh <laughs> um I just wanna say we have actually, I have actually wanna say I have actually played third edition and we did enjoy it. But Thor's Edition looks to be uh, a really good version. I'm very impressed with the starter set. It certainly, uh, it was one of the better starter sets until Chaosium got in on the act. Um, and I really want to get into sort of like reading more. And I would actually love, try the new version of the Enemy Within campaign. Um, because I, I played through the first three parts, I think three times. And it's going to be interesting to play through it again in the new version with the, with the uh, changes and so on. Um, but to come back to the best three, I think that sounds like it's really going to work sort of like um, in-game and out-of-game, if you see what I mean, with that context in there of, you know, here's the in-game um, um, point of view about this creature, which I think is a really nice touch. Yeah. Let's hope they also, can deliver. I mean, they've done a good job. Add to that. I think oh, that was what it, I think Warhammer has become far more popular than it ever was in the UK in recent years. And the way, the way I, I kind of, justify that is the most watched video on my channel is the, the Warhammer starter set by a long margin. So I don't think it's all British people watching it. Uh, I think the third edition uh, helped. Oh yeah. I, I'd agree with that basically because um, when fantasy flight had it, that reached a, a much wider mm -hmm. audience in short order. I think that greatly helped spread it here in the U S 
because I remember the the big local game store here in Charleston because they've been around since the mid seventies. The you know I remember seeing you know first and second edition Warhammer on the shelf, but they would have one or two copies of the core rule book and that was all they ever had. And then it would take them forever to get a copy. And that was it. Those that knew about it would buy it. People were playing it, but it wasn't popular in the grand scheme of things. But, but no, I think third edition helped spread. And then fourth edition just carried on with that interest that had already started. Um, hopefully they'll get it out this year and make Bud a very, very happy man. Indeed. Okay, Scott, you are next on the chopping block, or at least your game. Okay. So, what do you got? Well, my, my, my second I'm looking forward to is, is it's another Kickstarter that I backed. Um, and uh, this one is, you know, will probably be out sooner than, um, than, than The Dying Earth, but um, the name of the game is Hyperborea, third edition. Essentially, the third edition of Swords and Sorcerers of uh, Hyperborea. Or Swordsman and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, my mistake. Um, and granted, while it's it is definitely a third edition of the game, a lot of the rules there are going that are involved with it are kind of more of like a cleanup um, of the game. And uh, from from the second edition, as a lot of cleanup aisle four, right? But um, but wildly excited for this um, because I, I absolutely love this game, uh, Hyperborea. In a nutshell, for those who aren't familiar with it, is a reimagining and a cleanup of second edition uh, AD and D, but but done in the uh, essentially a um, reimagined world of uh, of uh, Conan, you know Hyperborea, uh, you know with with some of the some of the letters changed, some of the words changed and whatnot, but uh, but essentially you're you're existing in a you know in the, in the world of uh, of Howard and where you know a variety of uh, you know of ne'er-do-wells and humans who aren't necessarily heroes you're just surviving in this this wonderfully vibrant and imagined world as you and these other people are just adventuring you know you're you are going you're you're essentially true adventurers you know and going where the world takes you but also on a personal level i'm looking forward to this game is because i've been involved in a uh, hyperborea campaign for god almost going on two years now uh w being wonderfully run by uh by uh andy um Oh God, I'm so bad with names. Yeah, Keith you're Hel really bad. I you know. Mean Andy Markham. Andy Markham, yes, and I, I feel bad. Today we're recording is Andy's birthday. Happy birthday, Andy! But uh, but no, it's been wonderfully run by by Andy Markham along with the with all the other swordsmen and sorcerers that that have been in this the six of us in the same campaign for two years. You think one of them would dropped out by now? But no, it's been so much fun. Uh, been running it off and on, you know, pretty much, you know, every other Saturday or two, or sometimes two Saturdays in a row. But uh, but it's just this wonderful setting. Uh, the setting itself is fantastic. Uh, Jeffrey Tulanian has really brought this world to life. Uh, you know, the people that he has hired to help, um, you know, breathe life into it. You know, the 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 you know the artists of the of the books. Uh, forgive me, I don't know their names, but the cartographer. You know, the the big hyperborean map was done by a uh, by Glenn Seal. But it, it all kind of ties together to this this third edition of kind of really tightening it down even more. Because as we know, as we're, a lot of us who are familiar with with you know AD and D second edition. There's a lot of rules, <laughs> and a lot of the rules are, you know, some may be up up to you know personal definition. Others, you know, you may not entirely deem necessary. And of course, there's Thacko involved. Uh, that's that's another discussion. 
Uh, it doesn't have to be back on fact. Wait, wait, I, I, I need to interject. Um, Bud, mm-hmm. I, I could hear your head rattling. Why? Why put Thacko in? It's not even Thacko, it's Thack Zero. Uh, yeah, I know. It, why put it in? We hated it back in the day. Why bring it back? Why, why, why? So, I, uh, sorry. So sorry. Did, did, did you back the leather bound edition, Bud, or did you just do the, uh, the soft back cover? So. <laughs> you know, you can go off someone's gut. I know. Uh, but, uh, but no, it, it's. I know this is a, it's a personal taste. Uh, not everyone likes it, but there, you know, and, and it's, but Thacko aside, uh, it's still this, this wonderful game that, uh, and I may be looking at it for more for personal reasons, just because of the people that I'm playing with, uh, the world that, that Andy has been providing to us for all, for over two years now has just haven't lost its spark at all. Uh, and now that with the, with this new edition coming out and, you know, some of the rules that, and we haven't been playing with, with the rules as written as, as, you know, throughout the years, throughout the couple of years, and we've modified it ourselves, made a couple personal house rules for a couple things that may be reflective in the new edition, uh, to make it even more easier. Um, but, uh, but no, it's just, if, if for the, for the fans of sword and sorcery, especially for those fans of, of, you know, of Robert Howard and his world, you know, there's, there's plenty of people out there who do it. Uh, you know, there's barbarians of the Moria, which is another fantastic game. Um, but, uh, this one I think is one of the, the one that kind of, without it being a licensed product really captures the world of, of Howard and what it's like to adventure and explore through that. And, uh, you know, never knowing if, you know, this is your last breath. Um, I'm on my fourth character. Um, <laughs> and so Scott, you're uh, gushing again. I know I'm gushing, but, uh, <laughs> but no, so, so there you are, take it or leave it. Uh, but you know, what I'm looking forward to is the, you know, another one I'm looking forward to is the third edition, uh, now known as Hyperborea, getting rid of the swordsman and sorcery aspect of it just to make i it remember clear. first edition i tinkered yeah. with it yeah i i really didn't want to go back to thacko and i don't know it just it didn't scratch that itch for me then there were other games that were osr oh you know <laughs> that i could go to that were more approachable and easier to get into and more ex- just generally accessible and easier to find in in physical form yeah I mean, he does like does sound there like um, Scott is um, uh, gushing over his, his 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 new leather bound edition there. <laughs> I mean, let let's be real. Scott is an ash, or sorry, it's no longer going to be called Ash. Oh, I'm a complete ash hole. <laughs> He's an ash hole and a yeah. fanboy. Yes, yes. True story. Uh, the other thing that let's call it what it is. So we've been playing online with Roll Twenty, and one of the things that makes Thack Zero, or is that Thack Zed? Whatever, thanks uh, that arrow uh, is is that I could live with that. Is that you're pressing a button? You know, you're no longer you know having to do the the very minimal mental math that's required for Thacko, and you're no longer even having to reference charts that you know if you don't want to do the you know the mental math, even though. Sounds like you're trying to sell us on second edition AD. No, no, I'm just I'm just saying that you know for for all the people who say well you know Thacko is a is a broken system that I don't, I don't consider it to be broken it may be slightly irritating but i can think of a lot of other systems that are that that are irritating in its own regards <coughs> uh, age Starship. yeah see you know it's, <coughs> it's, i concur on both so yeah so yeah thackle's not the only one that that like i said not broken it does work to provide you the results that you need but it's just the steps that it takes to get you there some people don't like and some people you know don't mind but all right that's but fair. but 
but having a button, regardless of what it is, if you don't, if there's a system that you don't like, having a, just pushing a button, have the results flash on the screen for you, makes it a lot more tolerable than having to do the the mental math at the table. So, yeah, that's yeah. fair. So Hyperborea, that's fair. boom, that's 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 boom that's Hyperborea. Mine. Yes, you heard Scott; he was gushing like a fountain. <laughs> Third edition, yes, like a fountain. <laughs> can I can I go and wipe myself down after that gushing? Oh wow! Yes. Wow. Pookie, I mean, there's there's levels of, of disgustingness, and I think you've just passed it. <laughs> I know. Oh, I love it. It's great. All right, so speaking of Pookie, Pookie, what is your next game? My next game, I'm going to go bigger um, than my last last choice, and that is uh, the One Ring Second Edition, which I know is going to be out this year. PDF released last year. Uh, physical books on their way, and this is the new version by from Free League. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it because I was such a big fan of um, the first edition, which really, for me, caught the feeling and flavor of Middle-earth. The one thing it didn't do was tie it um, to really the events of either The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings, but set it in a period in between. Okay. And essentially, one of the things they're doing, I think they're going to be moving the the timeline on a bit uh, closer towards... um, that the events of basically the Lord of the Rings, but still essentially giving an opportunity for uh, the player characters to be heroes and travelers across Middle Earth, sort of like in events that are sort of prefigure the, the trilogy. Okay, that's cool. Scott, you look yeah. like you're chomping at the bit to say something. No, no, I mean, what kind of just, you know, for sake of, of you know, of ease, that is my, you know, my third favorite since we're kind of going in threes ah. here. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I will kind of add a little bit to that to what Pookie said. I've never played the first edition uh, of the One Ring, uh, but that aside, I giant Tolkien fan, absolute fan of the movies, the lore, you know, and, and other games that have been provided. Uh, but the One Ring always sounded like something that would be a fantastic game to play. Unfortunately, coming to it too late when they dropped off the map for a while and made it cost prohibitive. So the second edition coming out uh, not only allows me to, you know, enjoy, you know, the One Ring, but also I agree with Pookie, the, the, the steps that they're taking to kind of create a, a world for you to exist without having to uh you know worry so much about changing the the established lore of the world the lone lands of iriador you know you could go there and do what you need to play part to be part of the story but you know you're not accidentally you know shooting Gollum in the middle of the ahead with an arrow and thus having to <laughs> reconfigure the whole setting but still you're 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 and and I know that's a big issue with a lot of people who play in established settings like this. Like, how do you how do you make a difference in a world where you know the big heroes of the setting, you're not playing them, and so are you actually making a difference? You know, so the, I I'm looking forward to them hopefully, you know, doing that well. It looks beautiful. I I, I don't have you know I don't have the physical copies yet. I've looked through the starter set PDFs. Artwork is absolutely fantastic uh you know the the black and white artwork is great the color the color aspects of the artwork which is done by um uh, the the artist from a uh, simba room evocative its own self this this is just this look in the style you know middle earth in the throes of the war of the of the uh, one ring just really looks fantastic and and the fact that they're they're kind of throwing a whole ton of material your way um you know with with the starter set with the core rule book with you know with with the maps and um, you know, a lot of care, 
you know, a lot of a lot of attention is 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 being provided to this. So, uh, yeah, that's that will I will you know skip over you know everyone else and just kind of give this is my <laughs> you know the third third one I'm looking forward to along with Pookie. So, so hand in hand we'll we'll skip down the lane and enjoy the One Ring. So wow. happy, so so happy together. Keith, cue that music. Wait, no, we can't afford it. Because uh, <laughs> we use Anchor, we can if it's if the music's on Spotify. Just saying. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Well, I was going. One of the things is, is about that you say about sort of like getting involved in the story. Um, certainly, with the first edition, um, they really kind of worked it so that you were sort of like getting involved in the events, that kind of prefigured the trilogy. You know, like the appearance, reappearance of. Um, the dark power, dark of uh, Sauron, dark minions. Um, you know, re- leading up to uh, the campaign, the darkening of Mirkwood, which is, I think is, is a really fantastically dark, horrible campaign. It's right. almost a Call of Cthulhu campaign, but in Middle Earth. I've which, got a question. Mm-hmm. Is uh, is Tom Bombadil in it? No. Oh, okay, I might look at it then. Um, <laughs> he has I mean, his own setting, uh, yeah. secondary setting slap book, though. Yeah. yeah. Is, uh, is I mean, he in a Tingleverse book? He oh, is wow. now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know you guys know this, but our listeners don't. I had a bad play experience with the first edition. So like when this came up on Kickstarter, I just I took my 10 foot pole and just kind of like pushed it away and I didn't want to touch it. I didn't want to have a repeat of that. So I will say I am going to go into the second edition. I'm going to try to have an open mind and see if my opinion changes based on the new rules hopefully somebody that has a better grasp of the rules uh, that's running it. And maybe I will have a better play experience because I think my game master at the time didn't have a good overarching grasp of the rules. I certainly didn't as a player. It was, it just became a procedural game and I didn't enjoy it. After about 10 sessions, I just had to drop out of the game and I, and God, it hurts my soul to have to tell somebody, I just can't play the game anymore, guys. It's not a game for me. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is with, with the One Ring, it does have procedural elements to it, especially when you're looking at the, tra- the travel rules. It was one of the first role-playing games to really focus upon uh, the nature of traveling. And I'm okay uh, with that. I mean, the, yeah. the Year Zero games have procedures for that type of stuff, too, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't bother me, but when everything was a procedure, social interactions was a procedure, combat was a procedure, and nothing or little to nothing was narrative. That's no, I where I was just like, ugh. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I had a poor play experience. Um, my friend yeah. Dave ran it for ran the um, Dark, the um, Tales of Wilderland um, anthology stroke campaign for us, uh, and we really enjoyed that. Um, we really basically work towards building a community sort of like around us um, because there's scope for that as well. And the other thing, that's, you know, building up to the, the, the end of the campaign where we actually lost um, my partner, Louise's character, and that was really kind of gut-wrenching at that time, you know, it was our only loss. But the other thing that's interesting about the second edition is where the initial focus was uh, east of the Misty Mountains. Um, they're moving it back to the west uh, area door and then sort of like uh, with the starter set um, going from the, the, the Shire outwards. Yeah, uh, that's cool. I, I yeah. Like I said, I will I will go at it and go into it with an open mind and and hope I have a better experience. Well, uh, I've got two questions regarding it. Okay. Um, number, number one, uh, is there going to be a box starter set? Yes. Yes. Oh, I'll probably pick it up. Um, does it have rules for for the for the musical aspect of it? Like you have to sing a song every ten minutes while journeying. Um, 
not that, that I'm aware of. But I mean, if you want to include that option in your games, bud, nobody's stopping I, you. I'll be honest. I'll be honest, mate. I think I'd rather die. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that was in one of the Kickstarter exclusives, so only the Kickstarter backers get to uh, do that. Um, I'm glad I didn't back it then. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, well, cool. well, well, listeners, just so you know, uh, after the discussion here, it seems like there's going to be openings in several campaigns I'm running this year. Um, <laughs> wow, there's some love there. Oh, no, not 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 for lack of me not wanting, but it just I just, you know, but you're going to play in the one ring. No, no, but yeah, but there's going to be singing and Tom Bombadil. Oh, but, just uh, kill me now if that's the case. <laughs> I do hope, you know, I'm pleasant wishes and, and hopefully that at least Keith's experience is, is better since I never experienced the, the first one. Yeah, and if, if you need me to, Keith, I'll, I'll, I got my stuffed golem over there. I can bring him over and you can show me on the stuffed golem where Sar Sauron hurt you. Oh, okay. um, and we'll Thanks. move on. There's there. no way to talk about your son. <laughs> <laughs> feel like I got to go to extra therapy now. All right. So my, my second game. Uh, we'll keep bringing it around. My second game is uh, Root, the tabletop role-playing game. This is, I'm just going to say this, this has been the bane of my existence for the last two years now. It should have delivered oh, a year, almost a year and a half ago. It is in print, currently en route to the distribution warehouse in Atlanta, I just checked the tracking. It is in the port of Charleston. So after we record this, I'm headed to the port of Charleston to go pirating, <laughs> plundering that fucking ship. Uh, <laughs> I want my route. Sorry. So what you're saying is it's en route. To, uh, route is en route. Route is en route to Atlanta. Pookie, you're only allowed uh, one. Don't make me ban you from this podcast. I, th I think I think I think en, en route is a different is, is a different thing than en route. Yeah. Also, I don't believe you. I don't think it's coming because, you know, it's this late. So, but anyways, for those that don't know, uh, Root the Tabletop Role-Playing Game is based off of uh, Root, a game of Woodland Might and Right. It's a originally an asymmetrical war game or with woodland creatures, different factions of the woodland and some aquatic and some underground as the expansions evolved. Uh, fight for territory. They all have particular conditions in the board game in which they win or lose. <clears throat> Magpie Games got the rights to, to take that and bring it into a role-playing environment. And they brought it in with a modified Power by the Apocalypse engine. And I threw money at it because I love the board game. It is one of my all-time favorite board games. And well, I'm a sucker for it. So I bought into Root. I went all in on it, and it was supposed to deliver September of 2020. And here we are, January of 2022, and it has not made it to distribution yet. Well, to, to be fair, Keith, I heard that Magpie Games might be a little short of funding. Um, so be patient, and if it doesn't arrive, it'll be there someday. They're the ones who got the Avatar one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's no shortage of funding. There might be shortage of staff true i'm not going to beleaguer that point because i don't know fact from fiction i can speculate till the cows come home and that's for right. a whole nother show right but yes pookie i was gonna say but in the meantime since you've not had it what we have had is not one but two quick starts for it yes actually three quick starts three. uh there's been the quick start from the uh kickstarter itself 
Oh, right. Which is available on DriveThruRPG. Then the last two years through the Free RPG Day program, uh, there have been two different quick starts, which pretty robust quick starts, quite frankly, which include unique scenarios that are not part of the Kickstarter and they are not part of the quick start that exists on DriveThruRPG. So they are unique to the Free RPG Day program. Obviously, they've been putting out stuff. It's not that they haven't been producing stuff. It's just I think they overcommitted on the Kickstarter and it took them longer to do what they said they were going to do and didn't want to eat a lot of crow or bird or avian or cat, demarquee. But anyways, I love, like I said, I love the board game. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing it translated into a role-playing game. I've, I've kind of purposely avoided the, the quick starts. I have them. Uh, from the free RPG day. And I have the PDF obviously through the Kickstarter, but I've purposely avoided them because I want, I I want the physical books. I want to have that experience of reading them, putting my sticky tags in there. So I know where my, my reference marks are and things like that. Uh, I, I have played uh, a one shot of it uh, run by a friend of all of ours, uh, Lloyd at one of the online game game conventions this past year, a couple of months ago, it was a lot of fun. Well, I really enjoyed it. And if that kind of fun is what I can expect in the game consistently, then the, the wait is going to be worth it. I really think so. That's my second on my list. All right, bud, what is your last game of the year? Or last game you're lo- really looking forward to this year? Uh, it, it is um, a book, a book that is, it's kind of core to the game. And when I say kind of core, I mean, really core to the game. The book I'm looking forward to is the upcoming, it's not going to be a book, it's going to be a two-volume slipcase set called uh, The Cults of Glorantha. It's basically, it's going to be The Cults and the Glorantham Prosopedia. Um, according to the BRP forum, which was updated on the 10th of December, just gone, it looks like it's going to be 100 cults written up in the book. Holy moly. <clears throat> yeah, that is a lot. Rune, RuneQuest is a set and kind of lives and dies on on the, the relationship of the gods and and the races that live there. And to be fair, the RuneQuest book does provide you with enough to get by. But when I think about things like Cult of Prax, Cult of Terror, uh, Gods of Garantha, and how good they were, I can only imagine this is going to be as good. And I, I've seen some of the art from it. The art is jaw-droppingly good. If you do, if you Google, if you do a quick Google on the art for the um, Cult Compendium, it's it's unbelievable. It was so good. I shared it on Twitter. The guy, what's his name? The guy they've just employed as their full time artist. Oh my god! Yeah, um... I think he's French. Is Loic? Loic is. Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll 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 throw the name in the in the uh, in yeah. The we'll details put it in the show notes. notes for everybody. But he's a, he's there. You go. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a brilliant artist. The, the picture of Stormball is just incredible. Um, but again, it's it's you know it's the it's RuneQuest having great art again. Which, which I think it brings the set into life. I mean, as as a set in that as gods for everything, including things like campfires, like you can only imagine what a hundred hundred cult write ups is going to look like. <laughs> and I hope they they do the the same as they did with the the original books, which is the the journey, the the, the in game story with the guys and meeting all the different cults as he moves, travels across the land. I hope they okay. use that as a way to introduce some of them. I mean, I don't imagine it's going to be cheap, but I imagine it'll be fantastic quality. Yeah. Um... I mean, it's, it, I'm going to say it's actually the, my third choice as well. Um, and I've got a copy already. I've got a copy of the Ashcan version of it. And 
there's an it's an amazing amount of content. It's an incredibly thick book. Uh, these are spiral bound because they're ash cans. But really, um, I think it's also almost a companion to uh, the earlier um, Garantha source book as well, because that explains the relationships between the various families of deities. And this will actually begin to expand it into uh, the organisations, the cults that worship them. It also will plug into uh, the Red Book of Magic, um, which will provide all the spells that you need or you can learn from being. Now, from what I can see as well, they're going to include like Nysalor as a cult and things like that, and you know that makes it a bit more interesting. Now, is this going to include mechanical aspects, or is this going to be more in the vein of the Guide to Glorantha, where it's going to be primarily just lore to help you flesh out your world? of Glorantha, but is or or is it going to include game mechanics within it or do you know that yet? The game mechanics are in the other book, aren't they? They are? Well, I mean I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean there is the, I mean in essence, um in terms of mechanics, it's really going to include it's more like the other cult write-ups you'll find in the core rule book, um, but more depth, more detail, expanded information. So we um, so we'll have background upon the cult, what it's like to be a membership, um, right. and the requirements for the various levels of membership. You know, lay membership, initiate, and so on, and the spells, um, the rune spells, um, spirit magic that you are you can be taught, and the skills that are taught by the. Um, and should have rune and, lords and, and rune masters as well, shouldn't uh, it? The cult. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, I'm still, yeah, exactly. a, you know, a neophyte when it comes to rune quest, but I'm the background, the his, the history, the. The inner workings that has an appeal for me. You know, what is it? What's it going to take to get to attain? You know, if it's included, you know, this level within the cult, and you know, you can weave that in. If I'm playing a character of that cult, then that's something I can try to drive my character towards. You know, and work with the game master to try to try to make that happen. If it's possible in that story, I have some interest in it. But like you said, it's going to be a gorgeous book. It's not going to be cheap. I mean, their slipcase sets aren't cheap. As long as it's not like the Guide to Glorantha, where it's the the, the ginormous what hundred eighty dollars oh, source yeah. book, <laughs> the Encyclopedia of Glorantha. Yeah, I mean that's like National Geographic, though, isn't it? To be fair, in comparison, yeah. that has no game mechanics in it. It's all about the history of yeah. the world. Yeah, exactly. And the other the other winner it's got it's got going for is you know give me all the slipcase sets. I love them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's no lack of love for, for slipcases, I think, with, with, with this group, at least. No, so. no, there's not. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So I guess it's, it's back to me for it's my back third. back to you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, wow. Okay. Uh, so my third, I saved the best for last, and I'm going to show Chaosium a little bit, little bit more love tonight, uh, and that's going to be Pendragon 6th Edition. So... Uh, <gasps> I've been playing Pendragon off and on since the <gasps> mid '90s with Fourth Edition. By happenstance, I got introduced to it, fell in love with it. Then bought a ton of the source books. Don't have many of them left these days, and God, trying to get them back again is you know breaking the bank. That being said, though, I have always kept my love for Pendragon since then. Fifth Edition, five point one, five point two, the Great Pendragon Campaign, the whole nine yards. So when they announced that they were going to do the sixth edition, uh, which apparently Greg Stafford was working on before his before his passing, with David Larkin, who's the line editor manager for the product line, this would have been kind of like Greg's and David's collaborative effort to make basically the ultimate version of the game. Take my money. I mean, <laughs> um, 
the quick start for the sixth edition is already out. Uh, I know Scott, you and I have talked about it on a on a previous episode. Uh, yeah, some of the the layout art because it's got this illuminated manuscript look to the pages. Uh, some folks can love it or leave it. I happen to like it. It really fits the the vibe of it. Fits the theme really well. That doesn't put me off. I don't care if the new book has it. I just don't know if the new book, as far as sixth edition Pendragon this year, whether it'll be the starter set first or the core rule book first. I don't know which will come out first. I believe it's going to be the starter set uh, was the last word I had heard from David Larkin. Hopefully we'll see it sooner rather than later this year. I know they've kind of started increasing their designer diaries. Chaosium has been posting on social media. They did that in the run-up to the RuneQuest starter set being released. So that leads me to believe that we'll see it hopefully here in quarter one or early part of quarter two, given global shipping, who knows. But I look forward to getting back in there with the revised rules. I mean, right. I, what I really look forward to kind of in parallel to it is them re-releasing the um, Great Pendragon campaign, which they're going to release as a three-book slipcase. Since we were talking about slipcases. Woof. But the nice thing about that is... I'm going to buy a bigger house. <laughs> I'm going to need a bigger house. Uh, but the nice thing about that slipcase set is each book will be one of the time periods. So if you only want to run the Boy King era, that's you just need that book. You don't have to pull all the information out of a bigger volume to, to get out the information you need. Mm-hmm. It'll have the modern Chaosium treatment in terms of art layout as compared to the current 5.2 version which is still available which has minimum of color art plates in it it's nicely laid out but you know it's it's minimal in that regard right so bud and pookie do do either of you have any experience with this because i i've never played pendragon at all in any uh, any of its I, I've never played, well i've never played pendragon classic pendragon however at grogmees i did play agents of pendragon that sam vale run that was great that was that was set in the 1960s, and we were agents of of a, of a you know like a secret society called Pendragon. It were like oh, okay. it was very kind of it was very kind of um, 60s Bond aesthetic. Was it running off the BRP? It was it was running off the the system where you have balanced um, yeah yeah balanced traits. Yeah, yep. that, that was the same. Yeah, um, straight out of I've never proper. Yeah, I've never played the, the like knight in armor version. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, I have uh, um, two or three times. Um, even began playing the Pendragon campaign. Got about ten years um, <laughs> into it, and we really, really grew to hate Merlin. Basically, our response generally was um, in the style <laughs> of <beautiful>. landscapes, <laughs> um, fucking Merlin. That's great. Um, and uh, and I've always been a fan of the game because it's such a great, like, fantastic piece of design. You know, I, I I think so highly of it that I made it my thousandth review on my blog. You know, I, it, I, it's, it's such a, a, a fantastic focused piece of design in terms of what it's trying to emulate, and it does it so well. Um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to the the new edition. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with um, the starter set because the starter sets from Cosmic have been so good. And of course, um, the great thing. <laughs> yeah. And then of See, course, wow. a thousand reviews well, is just it, showing off. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, wow. I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, I should have stopped at a thousand and not gone on to fifteen hundred. Wow! You absolute git. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> only on titter pigs people only on titter pigs i i think i found my sound bite that i'm going to keep from this conversation to yes you over did. and over again um <laughs> all right so that's uh gonna wrap yeah. up this episode yeah so that's mm-hmm. our what what everybody here is uh is looking forward to over the course of the next 12 months i'm excited i'm ex- I'm, I'm looking forward to these things hopefully they all come to fruition this year Hopefully we do, you know, in one way or another, we get to enjoy it, whether, you know, be together, or at least in conversation, if we're playing it with others. Uh, but in Pookie, do you have anything you'd like to add regarding, you know, the, the games you spoke of before we, uh, before not, we not wrap the it game up? Just spoke, I mean, there are other things I'm looking forward to, but I sure. think I'm probably less likely to see them, like the new Delta Green Kickstarter. There's, yeah. I mean, only 18 bucks or something like that. 874. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what what comes up next with from Delta Green because they've got a lot of stuff outstanding, but they have been they have been you know providing it. It's just they're taking the time and doing a good job of it, which I can appreciate. Uh, there's loads of things I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of, of when they get released at this point. Right, right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, you just wait for them to come out. They'll be out eventually. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the other thing I'm looking forward to, I didn't mention, was is is the new version of Dark Tower again from Goodman Games. You know the, the the update and adaptation of the classic yeah. Judges Guild scenario by Janelle. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a little shout out to um, I, another one I'm looking dungeon, forward to such is a good um, adventure. the the campaign book or the the adventure book for a. Uh, 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 Brancolonia, uh, this this wonderful little spaghetti fantasy. Uh, it, it is five e, but it is the rules are set and make it so well. It's just it's this wonderful little Italian spaghetti fantasy reimagining of medieval uh, Italy. It is it's been such a wonderful joy to read. And the Empire Wax Back is supposedly coming out this year, so I'm I'm definitely looking forward uh, what, to that coming too. What, what is that? What's what's Brancolonia? No, no Empire Wax. What? The Empire Wax Back. That's the that's the name of the the next book coming out. Oh, Google it. I, I, I would have thought you were looking forward to the next Tingleverse book, but you know. Well, see, in order to look for something means that you that you already don't have them all, which I do. So that's that means there's nothing else to look oh, forward to. Oh, okay, fair the, enough. Co- the collection is complete. Nice. <laughs> I'll, Keith, throw one out, here, I'll throw one out there. Keith, here's another thing to edit, please. <laughs> Your Tingleverse collection is complete. Oh, what, we'll come up with something. Oh, yeah. I've got a copy of Christmas two. Now. <laughs> Too late. We're going to go to a board game or card game. We're going to get them uh, Busamimo. There we go. Mm-hmm. L- listeners, what awful, awful, awful RPG should they get me for Christmas next year? Yeah, uh, make sure you uh, go to anchor.fm slash titterpigs and hit that uh, record a message button and leave a message for Scott. He'd love to hear it. Right. And then we'll then... leave 20 messages for two. Now. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. But hey, I, I want to throw one more out there yep. um, only because I, I kind of mm-hmm. had a hand in it. I was the editor. Yeah, I'm tooting my own horn for a second, but it might pull Bud into uh, Fall of Delta Green. I don't know. Um, given his dislike for gumshoe, but it's the um, the campaign for the fall of Delta Green. Uh, the I'm going to butcher it again. Boreal's connection, globe spanning, world spanning campaign for the fall of Delta Green. It's on pre order right now. It you you do get the PDF now. I want the physical book because <laughs> uh, if it's Can anything, you I'm going to. It's a normal Delta Green. <laughs> Hey, a purchase is a purchase, Keith. You know what? If you want to. I can to. make D&D stuff at Delta Green yeah, and vice yeah. versa. So you can do anything you want, bud, if you want do to you, do the Do you know work. what? I, I thought that was funny that Scott said, it's fifth ed, but <laughs> fifth ed's fine. That's I do like that. Okay. I, 
I do like Fifth Ed. I do like the rules itself. There's other things about it that are that are different that you know are questionable, but that's for another podcast. But but yeah, yeah. no no Fifth <laughs> Ed itself is 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 fun. I, I enjoy it. It's just not meant to be used for everything. No, that's that's yeah, that's, that's true. true. I'll yeah. give you that. But hopefully this will come out in print this year and see it. I mean, what's it's it called eight, again, it, Keith? Shut up, Scott. No, I just know what's it called again. <laughs> Here, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. help you, Keith. Well, we'll simplify it. The Fall of Delta uh, Green campaign, colon, ouch, that hurt. Because, <laughs> you know, they fell. So, Keith, what was it called? <laughs> All right, no, guys, you, you guys. No, seriously, what was it called? No, what was it called? Seriously. It's, it's the Boreal. Mm-hmm. Never mind. <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> Only on Titter Pigs. That's right. But anyways, it's eight interlinked uh, <laughs> scenarios that span the globe and this uh, like global network of drug trading and uh, mythos and just some some crazy weird shit. Some really good stuff. And in the meantime, if you want to send in your suggestions as to what awful RPG we send, Scott, um, Keith, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Blood and myself, we'll judge the best and, and make yes, sure we get Yes, yes, we Christmas. will. <laughs> there you go. Oh, That's how we're going to close this out. Mm-hmm. Mytho. What? Remember the one series? Wraith, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, thank God, thank God for it. <laughs> um, so that's how we're going to wrap this up. Thank you for listening. Yep. If you've got a, a horrible, horrible role-playing game product suggestion for us to gift to Scott for Christmas next year, go uh, to Titterpig or Anchor.fm slash Titterpigs mm-hmm. and record us a message and let us know. And the three of us, we will vote on it and we will send it to Scott for Christmas, and it'll be such a shocking gift. Right. And every no. game we and every game we spoke of here in, in conversation, it will definitely all the details uh, and links to that will be uh, in in the notes of the podcast. So whether you view it on Anchor, Apple, wherever, uh, definitely look to there. You know, and if any if anyone these spark any of your interest, click on it and look it up. And just remember, it's between the devil and the deep. Please say. <laughs> <laughs> That's an odd flex. That's an odd flex. So thank <laughs> thank you everyone. Happy gaming. Happy gaming, everybody. Don't forget, don't forget to like and subscribe, etc., etc., etc. Smash that like button. <laughs>Hello everyone, Scott here, and a very happy new year to one and all. On behalf of Keith and myself, I just want to take a quick moment and thank every single one of you for giving Titter Pigs a listen, and know we are looking forward to bringing you more content for 2022. Some up-and-coming topics to look forward to in 22 are friendly local game stores, where Keith and I focus on their current state in the gaming world and possibly have some owners on to discuss their personal opinions. Our definitions of the OSR and what we feel defines them, and the games associated with them. The site that must not be named. The Where we will have guests on for a roundtable debate of its existence and the opinion of its necessary evil. Keith and I also look forward towards our deep dives into certain games from our past and see if they hold up. First up on the list, Chaosium's Nephilim, where we find out which one of us may have been the bigger edgelord in the 90s. And finally, guests. Guests, guests, and more guests. Authors, creators, artists, and just everyday gamers and friends to join in on certain topics or discuss whatever floats their boats. Coming soon, Guy Milner from BurnAfterReading.com to discuss the art and skill of running one-shots, and Jason Sheets from Sons of Singularity to talk about 
well, whatever he wants. So be sure and subscribe, give us a follow on Twitter at TitterPigs, and join us as we bring TitterPigs into 2022. If there is a topic that you'd like for us to discuss, or would like to be on TitterPigs, drop us a line on anchor.com, or send us an email at titterpigspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again, everyone, and have yourself a wonderful year of gaming in 2022.